0: Hello, this is Matt Hale bringing you Art Monthly's talk show on Resonance Radio. Um, and uh, today I am joined by Maria Walsh, who's a reader of Artists Moving Image at Chelsea College of Arts. Hi, Maria. Hello. And um, Mar- Maria's um, written about Lucy Beach. She did a profile of Lucy Beach, who's got a show at De War Pavilion. And we'll be talking about her profile and Lucy's exhibitions and other films she's done as well. And also joined by George Vasey. Hello, George. Hello. Um, who's curator at the Welcome Collection. And he's written a letter from Kampala, which is in Uganda. Mm. Um, George, you've been at um, Welcome Collection quite, two, quite recently?
1: Two months. Two months. Brand so new.
0: Good luck, sir. <laughs> and we're also joined by Alex Fletcher, who's a critic based in London. Hello, Alex. Hi, Alex. And um, Alex has written about Manifesto 12, Um, which is in Palermo, Sicily, and it's called The Planetary Garden Cultivating Coexistence, which we will ask him to explain, perhaps, (laughs) in a bit. Um, I haven't actually discussed with you guys which one we're gonna start with first, but I think perhaps we'll go with um, Uganda, George. Is that all right? That's fine, yeah. Um, uh, My first question was gonna be, just just to get the ball rolling, really, not that um, I wanna ask loads of questions, but, you went to Kampala, but obviously mm. I was my first is what, why or how did that happen and I know there 's a link I think with mm. Newcastle University is that how you went there
1: it is yeah I uh, was doing a curatorial fellowship at Newcastle University last well up until about three months ago um, and I was invited um, through Newcastle University to go over to Kampala to do a series of workshops with an arts organization there called thirty two degrees East. Um, and it was an event or uh, as part of Clara Arts Festival um, sort of networking universities in Britain with East Africa, so artists and institutions from Uganda uh,
0: Kenya and Rwanda Blimey mm-hmm. but it's quite a different culture and you were the, weren't there for long I know, no. you, I know you say at the beginning that um, it's quite a hard thing to try and sum up Mm. a whole event like that.
1: Yeah, I think I I called my letter from Kampala like a fragmented travelogue. Um, It's very difficult to sum up. Um, You know, I'd never been to Africa before. It was completely different. Um, I was in Kampala for about five days, three days of which I was kind of um, either... Uh, leading workshops or in other people's workshops and then we traveled around uganda to various places um oh really you got outside
0: as well yeah all over
1: actually um so we got a sense of the kind of um the context of um what was happening um, within the cities and also in rural contexts as well um yeah so it was very different from anything else i'd encountered but funnily enough the conversations i having with artists was the same conversation i had with Artists everywhere. Um, you know, artists complaining about a lack of time, money, space to make work, um, and the kind of role of institutions in being able to support that. Um,
0: What's their um, situation in terms of knowing about what? artists are doing say in london or or other capital cities in the in what i would supposedly call the west do they do they have great internet there and they can search it and use it and discover things i mean there's internet but it's not widespread
1: um you know there's about 10 percent of the country has internet it's not wi-fi is difficult to access i mean 32 degrees east which is the organization i was working with I would describe them as being a bit like Weising Art Centre, that they host residencies. Um, They also have a library, an incredible library, so they have art magazines there. Um, And there's a kind of acknowledgement and understanding of what's happening. But I think one of the great difficulties of being an artist in Uganda is the inability to travel for a variety of reasons. It's really difficult to get a visa. You know, a number of people were saying it's so easy for you to get a visa to come to Uganda, but I can't get access to the UK. But also, you know,
0: you're talking what, about the UK a, won't give them a visa. It's really difficult to get a visa. Really?
1: Yeah, like people that have been offered opportunities um, to yeah. do performances or exhibitions. So um, and also you're dealing with, um, you know, the the, um, the average wage in Uganda is like $200 a month which is um, you know, a comfortable life in Uganda, but that doesn't travel very far. So there's a couple of artists, like professors that are attached to the university, Makera University, getting international commissions, and an international commission with a fee can enables them to travel and it can keep them going for a few years, but um, it's relatively isolated. Although having said that, 32 degrees east are part of the Triangle Network, Right. that Gasworks are part of and they're very connected internationally um, and it was run by Tessa Buhana, who'd um, worked in America and Europe um, so yeah they were kind of uh, I met a lot of people that had kind of were either um, from the UK that were moving back maybe their parents were from Uganda and kind of um, had decided to go back and practice in Uganda. So you met a
0: parrot didn't you? Um, yeah I'm not sure if I can say her name right, but it, uh, if a blanky, yeah, moved
1: back to Kampala maybe five years ago. Hmm. Um, was born and brought up in in London, um, and whose parents were Ugandan. So um, there was a you know there was a, there was a strong pride in um, kind of energising and claiming uh, Ugandan heritage and like speaking Swahili. Um, so there was a very strong like poetry uh, scene there and spoken words. Um, You know, one of the things of me being there was to kind of translate some of that spoken word into writing and and textually. And a lot of artists I met were really resistant to that, but were incredibly articulate like when they were speaking.
0: Um, And they spoke English.
1: Yeah, spoke speak English and that's the kind of leftover from, you know, the British um, colonialism. Yeah. I mean, it only became independent. Cuz in the, the history 60s.
0: that I that I know very little of. Mm-hmm. It was that Idi Amin, was a kind of dictator that kind of took over in early 70s yeah. and banished all Asians for instance and did, yeah. they came here but yeah. then eventually he was kicked out and left. Yeah. And I suppose a, they're coming back from all that.
1: They are, yeah. And I have
0: been ever since though, really.
1: Yeah, it's a country that's changing rapidly. Um, for very, you know, it has a lot of um, increased tourism. A lot of chi- China's buying out lots of Uganda. It's mineral rich. Um, they've taken out huge loans with the IMF. So it's a country that's undergoing huge structural changes. Whereas essentially, a lot of people, pretty much everybody I met, was really eager for change, political change, because they have an autocratic president. It's just not a di- it's essentially a dictatorship you know it's um there's a there's a, a guy called bobby wine who's a, a young who was a hip-hop star yeah i saw become, him on
0: the news actually yeah. he was gone quite recently when they had an election and he was, wasn't was that right and he was yeah he, he, ne- he didn't win it but he,
1: didn't he, win. he did very well and yeah. um, because he did very well he's garnering a huge amount of support within i mean it's a very young country as well like about 80 percent of under 30 um and all they've known is um the current president Museveni. um you know, it's interesting. I was I was uh, saw the other day Kanye West went to Uganda and met with Museveni, and Bobby Wine was very angry with him because you know there's not you know Museveni is has um, uh, like I'm saying as an autocratic president that's um, essentially um, you know changing mm-hmm. the law to suit him. Um, so there's a kind of a, a with you know relative stability and economic prosperity in certain parts, but a lot of people being left behind.
0: You do say at one, one point. Um with the artists there's a deep sense amongst them that it that art has the ability to empower and enable communities so it's, yeah. it's, I was quite interested in you know how because the feeling I got from reading your piece was that mm. the artists were really working for themselves mm. a lot or or and not and not I mean there's no talk about sort of careers in your piece for no. it, for instance in a, in a in a vert way anyway
1: well yeah a lot of people I met were making money but not necessarily from their work so they were kind of doing lots of things to survive and um, I guess the work that I was encountering was split into two camps, one which was very formalist engaging with kind of um, kind of symbolism um, with kind of other expressionistic or modernist forms of so painting and sculpture and then um, kind of work that felt very socially engaged um, and people understanding, there was a lot of talk about moving away um, understanding uh, setting up a kind of intellectual inquiry and um, so a lot of people I was meeting were um, trying to set up uh, kind of an art centre there was one gentleman that I met wanted to start his own museum dedicated to football <laughs> um, and kind of bringing an intellectual kind of um, or cultural capital to the country beyond kind of the a- agricultural economy which, was which is what it
0: a, predominantly is yeah I, on an
1: independent basis so it's not com- commercially farmed really it's just mainly independent agricultural businesses Um, But yeah, there was a strong sense of art Having a social purpose
0: And there was a guy um, Daudi Karungi um, Mm. For Afriart Yeah who started a, a, a magazine or something Start called Journal. Start Journal?
1: Yeah, as much as I understand, I mean the uh, Start Journal is like an online magazine, so it kind yeah. of um, but it
0: covers not just Uganda, I think.
1: Yeah, East Africa, um, and there was a lot of conversation on my visit. Of um, there was a guy that I met, Tom Ongongo, who was from um, Nairobi, and he started a magazine called Nairobi Contemporary. So I've in critical discourse um, and a kind of. Uh, uh, A conflict or divisiveness between the kind of critical, a very small critical community and the artists and kind of trying to figure out actually what the ground was that they needed to be contesting. You know, I talk in the article about a lack of um, national collection. So there's no sense of shared history to start contesting. Not to say there's the history, but there needs to be some sense of our history to start talking about. So I think Start Journal, Nairobi Contemporary are kind of attempts to bring... To establish some kind of critical framework, for I think the it's called streaming. start
0: journal start for that journal. for that reason though. Is yeah, because it, it's like a start of something in a way.
1: Possibly, yeah. I mean, yeah. AfriArt is kind of. Um, I mean, there's been kind of uh, g- galleries that. I mean, most people, would send, but to, you know, there was no difference between sort of exhibiting your work and selling it. You know, because there's no other way of generating. There's no public funding. There's no like, sense of becoming a teacher to fund your practice. You need to sell your work. Um, and also it to be taken seriously so um because there was
0: clar art fair
1: wasn't yeah there? festival yeah the festival was um established through uh 32 degrees east and that was um i was on while i was there and it was mainly sort of performances and pop-up events throughout the city um and that was um sort of non-commercial um and then um yeah soon after i left i didn't see it but there was the kampala art biennial Um, that was, again, I talked to a lot of the artists about it and it was quite divisive amongst the people I was talking to, but it felt quite an interesting concept, I thought, actually. So the curator Simon um, Njami, who's a Swiss curator who's done a lot of work in Africa, um, set up this kind of, um, he brought more established artists from the African diaspora to Uganda to set up these master programs. Yeah. And then work with, not students, but younger artists. They set up studios. They did, yeah, and they exhibited their, um, what became manifest from their studios. People like Godfrey Donka, who's based in London, kind of was there for and a Do you think month, that worked?
0: I mean, is that. Um, I mean, you, you, you said you ran a discussion and, uh, mm. uh, and there was lots of um, people, grievances about the lack of critical engagement from local media, but positive mm. talking about community. Mm. Garnered institutions. I mean, is it does strike, there seems like quite a lot of energy going on.
1: Huge amount of energy and incredible work happening. But um, what, was, what was quite interesting is there was no difference. When I was talking about curate, I assumed that we were kind of talking about the same thing. And at the end of the workshop, I realized that people were using the word curate interchangeably with dealer or agent or critic, all of these people were seen as gatekeepers. Um, and it was very difficult to move the conversation on beyond that so mm. I, I realized it maybe if i'd I would love to go back but to est- establish a different conversation perhaps you know the idea
0: is of that like, about but you assuming say you i don't know mm. did they use those words without you using them or did they did you use them and then they miss
1: people were using those words so people they were, were the, the idea of curating uh, the, the term curator is like a kind of it's gaining parlance and but the idea of like artists putting on their own exhibitions like the idea of an artist-led scene this is um kind of a slightly alien concept really people are looking for other people to show their work right but i would say why don't you show your own work and there was a kind of um i mean it's difficult because i was not 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 there for very long no of course um,
0: i mean there were people like um you like uh, graffiti crew mm. i mean doing murals and things yeah are they commissioned do you think or are they just doing them like yeah. graffiti is done
1: they were commissioned through um, through Clark Art Festival but there were people kind of going into communities again that's such strong sense of with a lack of welfare state with a lack of um, you know a, a sense of strong um, injustice of like very very poor communities within kind of um, like we, they they've been working in the Katanga slums yeah. I mean you know most of the people in the slums are living on $40 a month and um, we were given a tour um, by Tosimi Math- Mathias, who runs, um, I'll give it its full name, Uganda Community Art Skill Development and Recycling Art Centre. I
0: thought that was one of the best <laughs> titles of an art <laughs> organization I'd heard for ages. I love, the, I love the way, and I mean I like it, the, the mixing of the recycling. But it's not just recycling, it's art recycling. It sounds like Michael Landy or something. It's
1: usually hugely ambitious, um, running it from his from you know. From well, there's a picture of the building. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's like it's a small brick shed, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I mean, he'd, uh, you know, persuaded artists to give him work so he could raise some money. But he had huge ambition and it was a strong sense of that with everyone that he met was their responsibility to those pure, poorer communities and the belief. There's a very strong sense of like education and schooling because a lot of kids were taken out of school because they were um, they were making money for their families you know farming farming um so a lot of the schools are incredibly beautiful like the they'd had local artists paint murals on the outside kind of like to to kind of the as beacons within those communities so i think that art and the graffiti crew were probably a similar example when i talk about in this article that they were working with people to give voice to to kind of stories that um weren't being heard you know there's a lot of the villages have maybe one TV.
0: But this is the artists doing it themselves. That's what's interesting to yeah. me is it's not like like here. I mean, mm. we often talk at Art Monthly about the Arts mm. Council because mm. they fund us, but also because they're obviously a powerful organisation. But yeah. they're very... It's kind of like sometimes you feel as if the what people should be doing and thinking and the way they should be dealing with the community is mm. top-down instruction mm. almost. Mm. Whereas here, I get the feeling it's the artists, because there's none of that. Yeah. They're having to invent their own priorities in yeah. a way. Is that what... And
1: it's difficult to, in a way, sum up, because a lot of those um, projects were really nebulous and about conversation, yeah, yeah, I'm and sure. what came out of them wasn't necessarily the work. Um, you know, a lot of the things that came out of the Clara Art Festival were, like, workshops and conversations. A yeah, lot so they have like,
0: gone, they're ephemeral in, yeah, in yeah. that way.
1: So they were kind of, that uh, uh, felt incredibly exciting to me, yeah. to, to you, how you start to generate uh, a sense... Of an art scene, but how you communicate the value of that art scene to other communities, um, and how they start to reclaim their own identities and um, the, the the skills that they possess.
0: Does in. that does that in any way relate to Newcastle University's relationship? I mean, that is that are they seen as? Mm. Do you see them as another community? I.e., that that they are. A pro- I mean, your work connecting with them mm. back and forth is that possibly a a learning thing for us, is it for University of Newcastle to learn from them and backwards and forwards? Well, I learned loads. Yeah, right?
1: exactly. You know, I learned a huge amount. I tried, to, it was very difficult to go to a place that you don't know very well with um, a context you don't know. I mean, when I did I did a talk about what I, doing shows, when I started curating, doing shows in my front room, but that was in East London, right? There was Chisholm around the corner. There was, you know, there was a kind of trajectory for me as a curator to get a job. Um, so I just went, I said, look, you know, I'm here to, to listen and to understand this context more, you know, and I'd love to go back and get a better sense of what's going on there because... Four or five days isn't enough, and I get the impression I finished the article saying if it went back in three years, it'd be a completely different place.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would. Mm -hmm. That's great, George. Thanks a lot for that. Mm -hmm. And and we'll move on to to Alex, I think, um, because you went to another place outside of the UK, which is where our month is published. I don't want to sound too (laughs) UK based, but we are really, (laughs) although we do write quite a lot about stuff abroad. And you went to Palermo, obviously, um, which. I mean, at first I was thinking, well, it's not the same kind of place as Kampala at all. But in a way, I, mean, I went there myself once. And I mean, you tell us about Palermo, but it's not your rich capital city, is it, really?
2: No, it's an, uh, it's an incredible place. i would never been there before. And um, it's an incredibly multicultural uh, city. And it's something I, I quote the, uh, the mayor, of the long-term mayor of um, Palermo, uh, Leo Luca Orlando, who um, celebrates that kind of multicultural... Mosaic-like heritage of um, Palermo, and he he, continue, he he his refrain is that it's not a European city; it's a Middle Eastern city in Europe, and uh, I think that describes quite well the um, the uh, dynamics of the city, its architecture, its food, its markets, uh, mix its mixture of kind of African migrant communities. Um, yeah, and local local Itali- local Sicilian oh, community. Well, its mean,
0: his history is incredibly
2: yeah. wrapped up with. Everybody was there. The Greeks were there. The, the Normans yeah. were there. The Arabs were there. I know. I didn't
0: <laughs> realise that. Patricia Bickers, the editor <laughs> of Art Monday, was talking to me a little bit about it. And I didn't even know. I've been there. I didn't know the Normans have been there. And they bought, built lots of churches, apparently.
2: Yeah, and, and some of the churches are incredible because you've got kind of Norman churches uh, combined with um, Arabic domes on top and or kind of the, the interior is Arabic design, or the exterior remains kind of...
0: I wasn't sure, but when I went, I thought that they'd someone had taken over, like either one the church had been taken over by m- Muslims or vice versa. I got a bit mixed up, and it, it is a very um, mixed place. I mean, aesthetically, effectively, when you're there now, isn't it? But, but, this, but you went to Manifesto 12, which is something which I think started in 96, the first one. About <clears throat> then, yeah. No, I think it was in Rotterdam in 1996. I looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> but this, but did the mayor? Did you, know, do you is, What's the link between the mayor? Is there any connection between the mayor? Is he is he invited the people from Manifesto? What would you know? Why it was chosen? No, I'm not sure. Was there any I didn't sort look of? Into that. No, I no, was wondering I'm, what the why it ended up there. I particularly. think
2: he was speaking at one of the events. I mean, I mean he, he, they seemed very involved with uh, the local community, and they must have been. In dialogue with the mayor, but I'm not sure. Yeah, and and even...
0: the, the title, the planetary garden, cultivating coexistence. Did you work out what they, what you thought they meant by that? It's quite uh, quite well, complicated.
2: It kind of come, it came. I think it's a quote from a 19th century botanist or something, some, something like someone like that. And uh, they play a lot on these uh, on these themes of um, botany and horticulture. And a bit, uh, one of the main venues there is the botanical gardens in. Uh, in Palermo, and um, so they so it, it's a kind of um, they use botany as a metaphor for lots of different things, but they also use it as a kind of metonym of the way uh, history and migration has impacted the island, so for instance, all the the kind of the vegetation, the food and the tree especially these um, trees uh, that you see in Sicily. Uh, which have come from you know foreign places so they're like
0: imported plants yeah, that the, have been botan- brought there the years ago the
2: botanical gardens uh it is an uh, is a place where you see um uh, basically kind of natural history the way na- the way hi- the way nature is shaped by human history and uh I didn't quote it uh, I qu- I quote, uh, Jason W Moore who um whose book um Capitalism and the Web of Life, um, published by Verso, uh, is very good on this kind of intertwinement of uh, nature and society. And he kind of argues that uh, you could, it's impossible to think of nature outside of uh, industrial society and commerce. And uh, so, for instance, a quote that I didn't include was uh, this, this nice quote for, by Marx and Engels in The German Ideology where they say... Um, that Europeans only came to new, know the, something like the sensuous certainty of the cherry tree. They give the example of the, nat- the nature of the cherry tree through commerce and industry, and you get that you get that through the botanical gardens, where um, a lot of the vegetation there is is the product of a colonial history that was importing, uh, you know, discoveries from from the, the colonial lands they discovered and bringing them back in yeah. order in order for you know. For commerce
0: and and an artist did actually use trees um, in a in a work Uriel yeah, uh, yeah, tell us about uh, that piece of work called
2: uh, Wishing Trees, which was um, commissioned for Manifesta, and it, um,
0: where, where was what was it in where where was it exhibited? Uh,
2: that work was exhibited in the Palazzo Batera So uh, a lot of the other venues were either um, palaces or churches. Or crips uh and other really in- incredibly interesting places, and so that one is in the palazzo patera and uh, he used um a kind of the tree as the symb- as fi- as a symbolic figure to kind of uh trace different uh histories of the island so the first tree he uses is um the legend of a, s- a cypress tree um which apparently grew out of the staff of San Benedetto, who's the freed son of African slaves. The first saint of uh, the Catholic Church, the first Black saint. Yeah, that was that was
0: very interesting. Uh,
2: Yeah, and and which connected to uh, these his contemporary um, films about African migrant cooks, because uh, Benedetto was uh, also uh, joined the Franciscan community as the cook and leader. Yeah, that was a fantastic
0: thing (laughs) thing, wasn't it? The fact that he cooked the food, but he was the leader. I love that.
2: But but you're saying that Franciscans are
0: right sorry <laughs> but, but you were talking about how, how how the cooks now in restaurants like who are probably refugees or or certainly
2: yeah and uh the, i went to a restaurant called um multi which i think translates as many faces and the kitchen is run by uh, migrant cooks and uh, the veg- vegetables are sourced from the Bolero Bal- uh, market, uh, with, which has lots of migrant uh, communities. Uh, yeah, I went
0: there when I was there. It's fantastic. Yeah. I actually stayed just in that market in a, in a little, tiny little flat. It was amazing. In the morning, you go out <laughs> to get food. It's brilliant. And one one day, these it was it was uh, Sunday when I was there. It was Easter, that's right. And they were carrying the ca- Catholic kind of effigies of christ in glass coffins down this market with all these muslim guys on stalls standing there making faces and complaining about how they were getting in the way of their stalls selling spices it was great but sorry i i digress how did, what i'm interested in is how did or oriel put this together as a video so because well, so I, I can see ex- trees i can see cooks but how does he how's yeah, the work
2: it's an expanded installation where i mean the links were quite tenuous the tree the tree was doing a lot of, of a lot of the work linking them together but it worked nicely like a lot of the works at manifesta which i thought were successful were engaging with the history of the city in very kind of simple ways you know you could see that there was amount of research that went into it but not and overstating you, it too no, much and then and that you as a visitor i thought uh learned about the city but approached it and approached it in different ways and um, I don't know how locals. Uh, I spoke to one local, kind of thought, you know, the, the works that I that I discussed, that I thought were quite successful, kind of said, you know, like, oh, I know those things already, or yes. But, it, but it's, I thought that, I mean, there were other things that maybe locals would have found more interesting, like there were there was a film program, a public program, et cetera. But the, the the main works, I still thought, uh, get engaged with the curatorial theme, that relationship between nature and history. And and then also engage with the venues they're in and yeah because uh, these
0: palazzos I mean they're sort of really old some of them and they're, but they're quite they're not done up are they I mean they're empty and yeah, in part in moment. part restoration of some of them aren't they with cr- yeah. one, one, one's got a crane going right through it for, like a modern crane standing right in the middle of it or something isn't it
2: yeah no they're incredible and they're, they're places that you probably wouldn't have been able to enter if Manifest wasn't on so it, it, yeah it really opened up the city in that way I think uh to see to see those spaces.
0: No, I certainly didn't when I went. You couldn't get in them.
2: And so uh, uh, again like uh, one of the um palaces I speak about is the Palazzo Fucella di Seta, which is on the sea and uh, a lot of the work in there engages with uh you, um migration c- whether it's history or uh present issues around migration. And so it's kind of you know you're looking out the windows onto the Mediterranean in inside this uh, palace, which is being restored, or in various states of dis, is in a kind of state of disrepair. Uh, Moorish design, um, mosaic floors. It's
0: uh, one, one artist put a huge pile of mountain of salt in it. Patricia Kersenholt, is that right? right. I can't say her name. I'm sorry. The Soul of Salt, 2016. Was that that was that in that?
2: Yeah, and that's uh, connect, that that's about um, uh, the history of slavery, and it's connected to a legend. Around uh, which slaves refrained from eating salt, apparently, so they could fly back to Africa. Because they were lighter. I don't mention it, but there was was also a video involved with a ritual where people took the salt and dissolved it in the sea as this kind of symbolic uh, gesture.
0: Did you you think that the work. Did you have to read what you just said to know what the work meant? I'm, I'm always interested in you know sometimes the works are claimed to to be about things and you look at them and think well if I hadn't read about that I wouldn't know did did the video bring it alive enough or do you think it didn't matter really i mean i mean you know in that context it may not have been a problem no i think
2: i no i think if you get it from the video and the salt and you could also the the pile of salt there you could take yourself right so you could actually partake and in and the partake in the ritual yeah
0: yeah interesting
2: but also in that space was um, forensic oceanog- oceanography. That, that's um,
0: connected with the Goldsmiths forensic architecture. I think, isn't it, it another is, yeah. part of the same thing? I believe. Yeah, and
2: so there would have. I, I'm sure I saw some of these works or most of these works when they were shown at the ICA. But I thought they um, it, uh, had, there was a certain poignancy um, seeing them in that space. But also, um, sometimes their works can be quite. Uh, ascetic or severe and dry in their kind of presentational in their modes of presentation, and kind of to kind of uh, you know go from the f- go from the pile of salt into the forensic space of forensic uh, oceanography. Uh, I think it added a kind of experien- experiential depth to it, as well as being by the sea and and these other things.
0: Yeah, because their that, that one was called liquid violence.
2: Yeah, and there was lots of stuff around. The increasing militarization of the Mediterranean as a space and which has increased since um, the election of the coalition government in Italy and uh, Matteo Matteo, um, Salvini's uh, who's uh, the interior minister and a leader of the far-right Liga party um, his kind of criminal increasing criminalization of NGO rescue um, efforts and uh, yeah and so he kind of a symbol of, of this increasing militarisation, yeah, so which, so the, so the, which um, sorry. forensic oceanography uh, documents in different ways right. through satellite imagery, uh, kind of GoPro footage. Uh, there's one wall that um, charts the deaths um, following, the, I think it's the Arab Spring, and you see different events that, of course, lead to more deaths because more people, um, you know, trying to flee across the Mediterranean. Right,
0: yeah. Because I mean, the mayor there is obviously would have been very interested in that work because of what because his attitude is very different to the government, isn't it?
2: Yeah, the, yeah. Orlando is uh, constantly in conflict with with the kind of hostility to um, migrants that that is a big presence now in Italy. Uh, I say that um, that uh, recently uh, there was an, there was an event where I mean, and this this is happening increasingly all the time now that you know boats uh are left in the middle of the sea because no one will have no one will allow them to dock and uh people like uh, Leo Luca Orlando um in in this event you know uh says that they can dock there even though he's being ordered by Salvini yeah yeah he's uh, putting himself, himself at risk isn't he actually because yeah. they
0: could could arrest him for breaking yeah, the law Yeah there
2: have been uh, mayors uh arrested um, yeah for doing things like that
0: There's also something about um a US military
2: um Yeah there were two Two works uh on this uh, it's uh, i mean the acronym is muos it's the mobile user objective system and it's installed in um southeastern sicily um again it's got a kind of connection to nature because it's installed in in this incredible um cork forest and it's installed by the u s military in two thousand and nine and it's a it's a, a hub basically for their for especially important for their um um conduct conducting drone warfare and there were two works about this one by uh, the american documentary filmmaker laura poitras and she um she produced this kind of immersive video installation um where she had worked with um other other filmmakers and there's, there's lots of kind of drone footage of these big satellites in the forest so she's kind of using the tools uh you know to to represent, uh, you know, what they're also being used. Did she
0: use aerial video, or was she...?
2: Yeah, you kind of have these shots of drones coming out of the forest and these yeah. big, huge, white sat- uh, satellites. And then the other work is um, Tania uh mixed-media installation called Article 11, which is, I think, an article about... Uh, it's, an, it's about the Italian constitution against uh, wars of aggression, and so it's obviously in conflict to have this... Uh, base uh, in Sicily, but it's also—I mean—it's also in conflict with uh, human health. It's been known to kind of cause spikes in cancer, and also interrupts mobile phone signals and various things. Really, <laughs> that's what I read.
0: <laughs> Amazing.
2: And so she—so for her um, installation, she uh, worked with this No No Muos um, activist groups. Uh, and, and the local communities around, it, which were who have, who have been uh, over the years protesting against um, the Muos uh, <coughs> global communications site, and so she kind of had this big, uh, big wall mural, uh, and uh, and other kind of documentation. I thought, it, it, I mean, compared to some other of the artists who you felt kind of engaged, maybe a bit more with with uh the research, this seems a bit more like she just allowed a kind of s- the activist to kind of present a, a kind of it seemed it seems less less uh, art based. Maybe. No, it just seemed that there was less work on the artist oh, part. Oh, I see. Maybe maybe that's maybe that's not a critique. Maybe she sees her role as an artist of just allowing yeah uh, communities to present themselves in certain ways or yeah. it felt like um I don't know.
0: It certainly sounds quite different to Oriel. Everyone else did all the work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But say like Oriel's piece, it's much more kind of atmospheric and, I don't know, kind of yeah, slightly... Long,
2: you could see it's kind of the the, the different um, protagonists within the work. You could see that you'd kind of, you know, being in communication with them and and talk to them. So one of them is the other the uh, the other tree, which I failed to mention. Oh, that's, yes, there were three. Big, this big, ficus macrophylla Filia, it's called which is these incredible uh, these incredible trees which have these exposed roots and that connects to it's where the um this uh um former judge giovanni uh, Falc- Falcone, uh his residence was and he he's uh famous for being assassinated by the mafia in 1992 uh and it was a it's an important moment in in the country's um fight against organized crime yeah, and uh,
0: I learned today that they've a lot of them have moved north, and that the, the women yeah, they moved into the is it to ch- the hills? There was a
2: documentary on BBC. By, ah. I can't remember what its name is, and he speaks to some of these. These women that were That's combating right. the mafia in their village.
0: Well, apparently the women, the the, the mafia is now a lot of them are run by women now. <laughs> the men have gone away. and the, the wives have taken over and they've gone north.
2: <laughs> but for instance, to do, in, in connection with this, he, he um, there's a video with this um, anti-mafia feminist activist Simona Ma- Maffe, uh, who's um, speaking about her 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 struggles with the mafia. Um, so there's, there's, yeah. It's kind of a dis- it's a very dispersed installation with lots of, lots of elements in it. Yeah. But even then, I just felt like there was there was so much there that was kind of I don't know, pulling you back to the history of the city, where you were, um, the different different, the way different social mo- mo- movements intersect with each other.
0: Very valuable, really. I mean, I, as a tourist, when I went, I mean, I didn't learn about much of this at all. <laughs> Didn't all think about it either, to be frank.
2: Yeah, it's a shame. That when I was there, there was... When I wasn't there, There's a, um, there was a tour happening by this Italian collective called Wu Ming. They're a literary co- collective who write historical fictions. And they were doing a, a guided tour, I think, around the city, um, around its colonial history, and which yeah. sounded interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do something in a particular place, it's it may, kind of crazy not to i think so to draw on it as long as the artists feel able to do it and it's the kind of way they think i guess talking of the way artists think marissa (laughs) um can we can we can we look at lucy beach and your profile now because we're doing well for time i think i'm pacing things all right thank you so much um for that guys and um this is this is a profile but you do start off Talking about um, a particular piece of work, don't you? But but Lucy's um, an artist who lives in Berlin, I think, but born in Hull.
3: Well, that's what the byline says. I believe it's true <laughs> in that case. I didn't write the byline, well, so
0: it's written probably by one of our editors. It's got to be true. Uh,
3: yeah, it must be. Otherwise, um, <laughs> otherwise <laughs> they would be become. I know she lives in Berlin anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, w- well, I suppose the profile was commissioned to coincide with um the new uh, her new film Reproductive Exile which is um currently on show at the Delaware Pavilion I think until the 2nd of December um after which it moves to uh, tramway in Glasgow uh, probably I suppose in early 2019 yeah, It was co-
0: commissioned by them wasn't it Del- yeah, Delaware it, Tramway and someone else called something else called Lafayette, Lafayette
3: Galleries well uh Paris, uh, I think it's there's a special branch of the gallery, something like Lafayette Editions or Anticipations or some word like that, but yeah, so it it initially showed there, they had it first, Right. so it's actually touring in the uh, order of the uh, It's funny really, because it's a film,
0: so it could be on all of them at the same time
3: Well (laughs) Or am I I
0: wrong? Is it an installation?
3: Well, it is an inst? Yes, it is an installation. Actually, okay, okay, I'm wrong. Um, it is a film, but it's also an installation, <laughs> in the sense that well, there's two things. I mean, one, I suppose, technically, I suppose it could be on at a, a, all at the same time. However, I suppose why they, you know, might not have it on at the same time is given the way uh, we've just heard about how you know how people travel to see things. It's like. Um, if it was on all at the same time, well, that would kind of... That could actually reduce the audience because people might actually all go up to whatever, to Tramway, uh, whereas if it's staggered in these different places, well, then it creates more...
0: It's just different to the way cinema works, for instance.
3: Yeah, sometimes I'm cinema... I'm very
0: interested in the way galleries now do mm. show quite a lot of what could be shown in cinemas, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, And it's quite interesting how it's treated almost heuristically or something. I mean, do you know what I mean? It's almost like like an object. It's funny.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, some uh, some work in cinemas, not done by artists, would also uh, be staggered in this way.
0: Oh, would it? Actually, in, the, in cinemas, they'd, sorry? In they'd some, some, okay. some okay.
3: films. I mean, for instance, I mean, I went to a film at the week, on Sunday. Uh, that was yesterday. <laughs> it seems like quite some time ago. But, um, and... I mean, it was on at the BFI.
0: Yeah, and it would only be on at the BFI probably if, if it's, it's an unusual film. But it's true. But
3: it's and it's on. But it's going now, Then it's going to um, uh, I think Glasgow. Okay, and then, I'm definitely wrong. Then I. So occasionally, I think certainly the auratic. I mean, there are auratic films cinema. Films, art house films, or independent cinema. I suppose I'm interested
0: in this blur that's going on. I feel it's it's just a feeling I get that there's a kind of because of technology being a lot more accessible to artists and and then making films more, and especially and even more narrative films, I would say. I'll throw that in as as an extra. It's kind of like it's becoming a blur for me between cinema and. TV and galleries, and it's quite interesting. And in galleries, quite often, it's the most uncomfortable experience for looking at these things. There's there's some, there's no seats, yeah. It's on for (laughs) it's what I mean. It's like, anyway, that's me. I'm gone.
3: Well, I suppose, I mean, I'm my preference is to watch something obviously uh, in comfort, you know, yeah, and and as uh, the
0: the artist wants it seen as well, as the 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 artist
3: wants it seen. And I think, well, there's a couple of things to say. I mean, the general thing is, um. Well, the not general thing would be, going back to... it. It's an installation in the sense that... I mean, I don't really think it sort of works as an installation, but it is an installation in the sense that I didn't write about this in the profile because I wasn't reviewing the show. Yeah. But the installation part of it, which you could say might be a... Well, I don't see why it should be considered a slim premise for an installation because many artists do this anyway. And it could be just slim across the board or... That's just how they're thinking about it, but funnily enough, the actual installation is called hyperstimulation, and that includes the poster on the outside, uh, 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 which, which is I, a specially designed I saw poster, that. Yeah, I saw sort that. of alluding to cinema, yeah, it but is, it's, it's not is. in a cinema. And the commissioned essay by Naomi. Um, Sorry, I can't help you there. Naomi, that, that, it'll come to me. Um, I
0: didn't read that when I was there.
3: Annie takers? She's Miami. having an exhibition at Matt's Miami Gallery at Pierce. the weekend. Yes, thank you. Well done, George. Say yeah. it
0: again. Miami Pierce. Thank you. Mm.
3: Who who's having an exhibition at the weekend? So, really, you were at supposed Matt's to Gallery. read
0: that as well when you were there. Well, you don't. I mean, have I picked to. it up, but, but I didn't to. read it. You
3: don't have. To. But it, it's. I suppose that they saw it. That you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. Because it was that was specially commissioned. They kind of saw and it, I, you know, it was. Long and thin and pink, so it wasn't your usual, like just no, no, you know, your no. white uh, flyer. Tell so us about, tell in us fact, similar to, for instance, the BFI, where mm. you know, there's always a specially produced, you know, it's a kind of a whole ritual, a whole yeah. picking it up, yeah. reading it, taking it away, reading it at your leisure, mm. all of that kind of thing. But things. it's obviously
0: a film that, that sort of requires some, well, can take can take. Someone writing about it and giving you information, whereas yes. some films you don't need it. Tell us about the film. Come on. It's called Reproductive Exile 2018.
3: Yes. Um, well, can I just say, though, I do think, and, and then I'll lead, <laughs> that this particular film, Reproductive Exile, to my mind, is more in the kind of cinematic, uh, let's say, I think, there, even though things are on one level, perhaps... I wouldn't say blurred but there are you know boundaries being crossed one there are still genres that you know don't make kind of separate categorizations but I would say that this film is more cinematic than previous work, like of, me, me and mine, hers. by
0: me and mine, by her, for instance, which I've saw a, a, a bit of, is that's not so well. It,
3: it, it's a bit. I think she's been moving towards right. Actually, so it's a gradual
0: change. So you with, think her work has gradually drifted across that way over?
3: A, I think so. I've kind of written my profile in reverse order, yeah. So that we get to. Uh, I, I've just it's uh, it goes from 2000. And, well, it goes from 2018 to 2013, and the 2013 piece, Cannibals, which was in the Bloomberg contemporary in 2014, I saw it at the ICA then, um, that was much more in the kind of uh, sort of video uh, doku drama, fictional. Yeah, slightly mode. more
0: wobbly camera, not not, uh, not so clearly actors or something, maybe. Um,
3: well, it's always there's always um, uh, people are actors, but there there are always sort of doubts as to what is real and what is fictional. Uh, there's always an element of staging, I guess, more in the kind of cinematography and as you say, the way the camera is used as well, uh, reproductive. Exile, seemed to me to be very uh, cinematic. The cinematography is amazing. Um, Particularly, I write a lot about, I mean, I think there's a lot of what I would call associative editing. um, And the film works on two levels. On one level, the associative editing is much more on the kind of um, um, creating uh, visceral... Uh, continuity and and you can just allow yourself to flow with that. You know, yellow appears in the different kind of compartments, let's say, of the film, and that's quite many times during the film. I mean, I don't want. I'm not going to spoil it for people, but it's quite. There are moments that are very visceral, uh, bodily. It is a film about the body, but not in but in a very kind of um, objectified uh, kind of body. So on the one level, it's very visceral. On another level. And I think this is what you were maybe hinting at. There's a lot of research here. Mm. There's a lot of reading to be done. And in fact, sometimes I think um, (laughs) I'm interested in a lot of artists' work generally in film. And I I think maybe particularly film, it seems to be able to contain an awful lot of uh, research. Uh, And it it means that so you've got a what is, you know, an image object, but, as a writer, if you want to write about it, you've got to do an awful lot of reading so you might have you've you've got your own idea you've got your how you feel i mean why do we go to see why do we watch films well it's for some kind of um experience um but then you've also got a lot of reading to do uh in this film there's a lot of reading about um it's about um fertility tourism, and assisted reproduction so you know well, uh, the answer is no i didn 't, but I know a tiny <laughs> bit now for so, yes. tourism is when you
0: perhaps go to another country where you can get help to get pregnant, for instance, or have a surrogate mother or something like that uh, yes, it's but e- it more easily so your tourism because you 've gone from your country exactly. to their country yes oh, I've got something right
3: great so um well, I mean, the film is is set in um the Czech Republic, and the, it plays with the kind of like um it 's both a real location and, you know, a fictional location in some respects. And some
0: fictional science going on as well? Or um, not?
3: Again it's it's both real it is it's real and fictional, in the sense that the there is this um um Eve is the fictional um digital microchip in the film in Lucy Beach's film, but that's based on this real um research and development technology at um Northwestern University called Evitar, which is a, a miniaturized three D representation of the female reproductive tract and liver, on a microchip platform. See, I, when and I read, that's just what it is. Because I, when I read your review, I really didn't
0: know if that was fiction mm. or not.
3: Well, the, that, and you
0: don't know when you watch the film, really, whether something is. A prop, or actually something that exists that she's just using. Yeah, well, Do you know what I mean.
3: Eve in the film is a fiction in the sense that the it's based on the one at uh, on this uh, research at Northwestern University, but um, the image in the film is very is a it's a different it's a fanciful recon uh, construction of that kind of research and development technology which is real. So it's all it, there's always slip slippage between the fictional... And is that something she
0: does in other films? I mean, just because of time. Yeah. Can, can you mention... Me and Mine was was the film, again, w- which is something to do with um, a cooperative good funeral awards oh, yes. mm-hmm. event. Um, I mean, she chooses quite curious... Thing, but there's always women.
3: Yeah, it's, that, I think that's it's,
0: quite key, isn't it?
3: It's really interesting that uh, it's in always film, I mean, women, and that she, or about
0: women. It contains women in the film. Yeah, that's and, what it, I mean.
3: and it's about women. You know, women's um, collectives in some ways, not in the way we might think of collectives, but groups and how they might be operating in sort of niche areas within um, capitalism. Yeah, that
0: that was interesting because obviously, when you think of reproduction, you don't first of all think of capitalism. I well, mean, I can I see d- the connection. No, that's <laughs> it, well, that's interesting. But she, she, you do think of it because it mm. seems to be like someone's in the in the film which I just asked you to stop talking about, which is wrong of me. Mm. But in reproductive exile, it's so like they're going to try and buy treatment or they're being sold treatment. Mm. It is a selling situation. Mm. And it feels like it.
3: Well, yes, I mean, it's uh, you know the body has you know. Is already entered into a commodity system, yeah. and with, fun- it's with funerals, even- it's
0: like the perfect funeral is being, or a holistic funeral, or it's, again, it's a kind of research your the funeral you want. Is, is that
3: well in the f- the film? I think is it more about uh, kind of emotional labour um, in the sense that, and I mean, I guess what underlie what underpins a lot of all of the films in some way. It's, it's in Reproductive Exile as well, but less so, is that um, this idea... There's always some scene which addresses the idea that uh, women are deemed to be, you know, natural carers. And um, in her films, that's shown to be something that is, you know, it's a quality, an attribute that is...
0: Uh, be- being, being exploited?
3: Uh, Not just being exploited, but also um, being um, – one can use for one's own benefit. So it's not just – so there's a kind of a dialectic between – being exploited and exploiting a system that already situates you in a particular way as a sort of natural carer so in the film Me and Mine there's, in a lot of her films there's a kind of like a playoff between sort of two uh, female protagonists, one of whom, the main one, uh, Vivian she represents the kind of more like um, old school type of funeral care which is uh, you know, solemn uh, ritualistic um, pomp and uh, dressing black and white—all of this very formal—and her foil at the event, which is a real event. It, it's that was a re- so it, that
0: that part is sort of documentary. Yeah, because yeah, it, again, it's hard to tell. It's hard to and tell. She's very good at she's doing very, that. Yeah, exactly. So mm. you slip, and you can't quite tell mm. if they're actors or if they're. I, I don't know how she does that, because it is clever. It
3: is, and, it, and it's unusual, I think, because she is, it's real, but there's no sense of, like, you know, a kind of embedded uh, documentary filmmaker. It, it looks sort of staged. No, they, they don't
0: seem aware of the camera, mm,
3: which is, yeah. again,
0: when you're... That's hard.
3: But I, I suppose there's lots of, you know, obviously shooting involved. and Yeah, I'm sure editing, the editing is not much yeah. stuff on the floor but um i think what what's what's amusing in that film then is like towards the end there's this other uh, one of the other women um helen who as i say is a real life um actress and life coach as well as a, a doula which is a, a um uh they're kind of trained to uh, almost like a kind of death um or also birth uh, therapists, kind of. They, um, yeah, it's a new thing to do with particularly end of life care,
0: like like you might get in a hospice. You mean?
3: Yeah, right. Um, um, so she, uh, the, yeah, Helen is really into this kind of, you know, uh, caring, you know, and all this kind of, you know, eco coffins and all of that kind of thing. So to tap into what uh, I'm not the only one to th- say this, but certainly I think we do live in a very overly emotional um, (laughs) society. So uh, that's something I think bound up, you know, people desire uh, to uh, give vent to and, and to be sort of cared for in this kind of emotional way. And it's feigned. You see, you know, they have workshops. To train, you know, what, how, how to be emotional. How to be emotional, yes. And 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 Vivian, you see in the film, like she, do, you know, she doesn't grin for a moment. <laughs> she's like, is she the uh, one that plunges in the pool as well? She plunges in the well. They all they uh, uh, before she plunges in at um, near the end by herself. Because that's almost like a kind of like
0: release thing. It's, a, as it's as a she's a really... trying to get out of all this pressure and control well, or something.
3: It's a kind of. I mean, again, it's it's um, ambiguous because prior to that, uh, the other women already have jumped into the pool, but they're together doing, you know, sort of drunkenly. When she does it, it's by herself, and there always, again, seem to be these moments where you, they're hard to read. A kind of um, it could be read either way that it's a release, um, or it might be more macabre. But you, just
0: just to ask you about what you think about the whole her approach to making work does that. Because that sums it up in a way for me is that kind of this ambiguity of meaning. Because at some points I found that quite frustrating in 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 the first film we discussed the um,
3: reproductive reproductive exile, exile. Mm.
0: and I wasn't quite sure how long I was prepared to hang around and wait for the. So I did actually leave and come back, but but that's fine. Obviously, that's my prerogative. But. There is a kind of I wasn't quite sure how I was supposed to what I was supposed to expect really. Mm.
3: Well, I, um, well, in relation to you leaving, I mean that's another reason why it would be an installation. It's on a loop, so you don't have to stay. You know, you can come back and you'll enter it. At yeah, I times. felt I felt that was okay to do. Mm, actually. Exactly. I did. So you know, the, and the film, unlike a cinema, like it's not clear maybe where the beginning. There is a beginning. Because there is a beginning, you yeah, know, things yeah. begin. But in in fact, you can enter it at yeah. different points because it has this sort of hypnotic, associative uh, editing that I was talking about, which yeah. actually allows for you to enter at any point. Yeah. and
0: it's not horrifically long either. So it's something you no, can you come back to where you were. It seems, you know, which I I really like it. the length of them actually.
3: Yes, I think this one is... Is it 30 minutes? It's the longest, anyway. It's the longest work that she's done. Yeah, the
0: newest one, yeah. Mm. But it still didn't feel too long.
3: It's just not too long, no.
0: Talking of time and length of things, I'm afraid the programme has now come to an end, guys. And I I, I could talk to you more about this, artist, and I hope our our listeners will... um, try to catch Lucy Beach's work. It'll be around, as as we said, it'll be at the Tramway um, in Glasgow. Um, But it leads me to say thank you, Maria Walsh, George Vasey and Alex Fletcher for coming on and discussing your writing in Art Monthly's November issue. Before we go, very quickly, I'm just going to say there is a special offer for Art Monthly talk show listeners. And if you go to artmonthly.co.uk slash resonance offer, you can get um, a totally free digital subscription with a print subscription, which means you get access to all issues back to 1976 and we are now on issue 421 so you get that many issues to look at and you can search within that and find things, so you can look up how many times Maria's written and George's written and Alex has written, just at the touch of a button thank you for listening and thank you all again goodbye